receiving incoming transmission. Can you name all the pieces of the armor of God? What about the widely unknown seventh piece of armor? Do you know how to put it on? Do you know that a simple prayer is not the correct way to don your armor? We got a lot to learn. Radical Christian. Welcome back to our second Becoming the Warrior Priest video. As you know, this is our spiritual warfare training series. We're going to cover a wide array of things. Now, this is a two-part episode that will go into covering the armor of God. Now, there's a lot that many people don't know about the armor of God. I'm sure you've seen stuff on this many times, but we're going to get into some, some uncharted grounds, if you will, or some some somewhat uncharted. I mean, so, some people have charted it, but not you, so stay tuned. Now, the books we're going to be using for our source material today are, as usual, the Holy Bible, written by the Holy Spirit. We have the Sharif Imperative, written by Michael Lake. We have Expelling the Darkness, written by Russ Dizdar. And we have Becoming the Warrior Priest, written by good old Drew Graffia. Also, I have an announcement to make, a conference I'll be speaking at, the Nephilim Mounds Conference in Newark, Ohio, and a little bit later, we're going to take a little break from our study and go into the details of that conference, and it's awesome, because L.A. Marzulli will be there, Russ Dizdar, Chief Joseph Riverwind, it's going to be a hoot. All right, now let's get into it. So, why is spiritual warfare important? Why are we even doing this? Well, number one, we have four reasons for you. Number one, spiritual warfare is a biblical reality from Genesis to Revelation. Okay, all throughout the Bible, not only do you see warfare like against the giants, against other pagan people groups, you also see spiritual warfare. When Jesus came, a huge chunk of his ministry was delivering people from demonic oppression. Now, this is a vital part of the believer's life. And if you are not aware of it, if you're not learning about it, if you're not training in it, then you are succumbing daily to defeat. Now, the second reason, there is a massive neglect of this training in the body of God. Not a lot of people are going into this, okay? But that changes. We're, we're going to be doing multiple videos on this. And again, please pray for me while I do these videos, my wife while she deals with me while I do these videos, Russ Dizdar, L.A. Marzulli, Chief Joseph Riverwind, Steve Quayle, uh, Tom Dunn, uh, all the people that are doing this line of work and ex exposing this kind of thing, please pray. Please pray and please pray for your own family and yourself while you start to go on this path to gaining victory through the Lord. So the third reason is the body of Christ is suffering defeat. Part of the reason why they're suffering defeat is because of reason number two, which is the neglect of this training. So the body of Christ is suffering defeat after defeat of an unknown enemy, an enemy that they do not know exists. A lot of people think the devil is just a mythological being or a metaphor. A lot of Bible believing Christians think that. Basically, they don't acknowledge the enemy, therefore they get pummeled by the enemy, okay? Now the fourth reason why spiritual warfare training is vital is because the spiritual warfare will increase as we get closer to the end. You know we're in the end days, you know we're in the, we're in the days of Noah, but the spiritual warfare is going to increase more and more and more. So this is more vital than ever to get this training and to apply it to our lives. And that's why we're going into this. And remember, this spiritual warfare training course is not just for you from me. It is from people like Russ Dizdar, people like Michael Lake. It is from uh, people like Derek Prince. It's, it is from their research compiled with what I've learned and we're learning it together. So as I'm doing these episodes, I'm refreshing and I'm learning a lot of new things. So we're learning it together. So like I always say, we're in this together. And now let's get into our history lesson. We're going to look into a little bit of a little bit into a special little place called Ephesus. So where is Ephesus? Ephesus is located near the western shores of modern-day Turkey where the Aegean Sea meets the River Kestros. 
Now, according to legend, the Ionian prince Androclos founded Ephesus in the 11th century BC, and the legend says that he was searching for a new Greek settlement, and he, he actually turned to the Delphi oracles for guidance. And we know from our last episode, those were the snake priestesses, or the Pythia, that, that were, uh, one of them was harassing Paul, but these were the people in the Oracle of Delphi, which was the temple built, I believe, by Apollo, according to their mythologies, which is the destroying angel, Abaddon. So there's a whole lot there that we've already covered, and you see every episode we do, it's God's hand that he builds upon it. So we're getting a lot of stuff we've seen before, and now we're gonna, that's how you start to build your knowledge of all these things. So the oracles told him that a boar and a fish would show him his new location. So one day he was frying a fish over an open fire and it flopped out of the frying pan and landed on in the nearby bushes and a spark from the fish ignited the bushes and a wild boar ran out. So he remembered what the Oracle of Delphi said, the snake priestesses, the Pythia. He remembered what they said and he built his new settlement there and that was the origin of Ephesus. Now, another legend says that Ephesus was founded by the Amazons, which was a tribe of female warriors, and that the city was named after their queen Ephesia, or Ephesia. I like to say Ephesia. Sometimes I, I call the book of Ephesians the book of Ephesians, and my wife gets really bothered. And that's important to note, so write that part down. So another part we're going to look into of somebody that we've, we've touched on in our Reshef Apollo episode as well, the Temple of Artemis. Okay, so in the 7th century BC, Ephesus fell under the rule of Lydian kings and became a thriving city where men and women shared in equal opportunities. Now, the Lydian king, Croesus, he ruled from 560 BC to 547 BC, and he funded the rebuilding of the Temple of Artemis in Ephesus. Now, Artemis, as we know from our other episodes, was the goddess of the hunt. She was the sister to Apollo. She was the goddess of the hunt, chastity, childbirth, wild animals, and wilderness, okay? And she got the bow that was uh, given to her by her father, Zeus, that he hired Hephaestus to craft, and she loved it so much, she became the, the goddess of the hunt. Now, she was also one of the most revered Greek deities, and like I said, the sister to Apollo, who is also known as Reshef, Nergal, Abaddon, the Destroyer. Okay, so that was his sister. Now, in 356 BC, a crazy man named Herostratus burned down the Temple of Artemis, and the Ephesians rebuilt the temple four times larger than the Parthenon, and it became known as one of the seven wonders of the world, the ancient world. Oh, and for today's episode, we have our Medieval Times Warrior Shirt. Warrior Priest Shirt. Mm, can't forget the priest. So that is the Temple of Artemis. Okay, now, Christianity in Ephesus. Let's take a little look at that. And this is just to catch us up to speed, because you know I like to give the backstory and the history to make it interesting so we could build our knowledge of a wide array of subjects. So, in the first century AD, Paul and John arrived to rebuke the cult of Artemis and win Christian souls in the process. Now, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is thought to have spent her last years in Ephesus with John and her house and John's tomb are there to this day. So, as you can imagine, not every Ephesian was happy about Paul and John's Christian message. And in chapter 19 of the book of Acts, we see a man starting a riot. This man was named Demetrius, and he made silver coins with the face of Artemis on them. And then Paul was exposing the cult of Artemis, therefore driving that man's business away. Okay, so he thought, this is ridiculous, they're driving away all my money, I'm going to start a little riot. Now, he was so worried about the spread of Christianity and it ruining his job that, like I said, he started a riot and turned a crowd against Paul and his disciples, and the Ephesian officials protected Paul and his followers, and eventually Christianity became the city's official religion, so his riot did nothing. Now, Paul wrote the epistle to the Ephesians while he was in prison in Rome around 62 AD. Okay, so that is a little bit of history. Now, the book of Ephesians is basically a spiritual warfare manual. It covers a wide array of topics, of theological topics, um, that Paul covered during his three-year ministry and discipleship mission in Ephesus. 
Now, a lot of the areas that are talked about in Ephesians are areas that we will face spiritual warfare, okay? So our jobs, it talks about how to be at your job, and you know you'll face persecution at your job. You'll also face trials with working with other people, okay? And, and them uh, coming at you for your faith or just coming at you because they're mean or you're just people mixing doesn't always go well. It also talks about marriage. That is a huge place for spiritual warfare. You are constantly fighting a battle to keep your marriage godly and to keep it God-honoring, okay? And to keep the enemy away from it because the enemy wants to destroy that so badly, okay? And it also covers our relationship with our parents and our children. Again, another huge area where we, where all of us know there's spiritual warfare that goes on there. Now, like I said earlier, if you don't know you're in a war, then you can't fight and then you can't win. So you will cave into the temptation and sin and walk through your life like a powerless zombie on a hamster wheel, just working, eating, sleeping, repeating. Working, eating, sleeping, repeating. No time for your family, no time to spend with them because you're at your job, grinding away. You come home, you're too tired, there's no time for spiritual things. You eat dinner, the kids go to bed, you go to sleep. Or you're doing that without a family, without kids, or you're just, you know, you come, you have no wife, you come home from work late, you're tired, all you have the energy to do is play video games, you play video games super late, you wake up just before work, you go to work, you're just living this zombie lifestyle, okay? Now, here are the signs that you are in the spiritual fight. So I'm going to put up a list. Now, there are signs that you are you are losing the spiritual fight. And then the last sign has a bunch of subtopics we're going we're gonna to mention about how, about evidence of a powerlessness in your life. Okay, so here are the signs that you're losing the spiritual fight. Now, no abundance or joy in your life. If you don't have the joy of the Lord, life is near impossible to get through. It's unbearable, it's painful, and you have no joy from any other source that's that's real. You have joy from maybe alcohol, drugs, sex, pleasures, vegging out on your TV shows. That's your that's the only joy you can get. The next one is uncertain or anxious about the future. You know you're fearful of the future. And we know God isn't a God of fear. So that's another sign. You're not sure of your right standing with God. Now keep in mind, if you're a believer and you're, and you're not sure of your right standing with God, that is constant, a constant source of anxiety. And that is a lose in the spiritual warfare column. Okay, now if you're not a believer, then this whole list is completely different for you. Because not only do you feel all these, but you feel a lot more. You feel hopelessness, which a believer should never feel. Another sign is you're not even sure of your salvation. Now that goes with a piece of armor we're going to get into. And if you're not sure of your salvation, again, you live a life of fear and uncertainty. The next one is no evidence of the gifts of the Spirit, such as love. Now, a lot of religious people, religious people will lack love. And if you do not have love, then you have nothing. Then your religion is in vain, the Bible says. Okay, you're a clanging symbol. If you don't have the gifts of the Spirit, that shows you that you're not walking in them. You're not living your fullest life as intended. So now, the last sign you're losing a spiritual fight is no power. Okay, if you have no power from the Holy Spirit in your life, then you are losing. Now, with this one, with this last one, power, there's a subset of things we need to get into. So, how do you know if you're living a powerless life? Number one, you can't pray much. It's, your brain's foggy. You, you can barely pray. You can barely read the Bible. You can't win souls to Jesus. You can't experience the Holy Spirit well. You don't have much of the Word of God in you. You don't have joyful testimonies of what the Lord is doing. You don't have many stories of answers to prayer. You don't have healings to report. You don't have triumph over the enemy in spiritual warfare. No demons are being cast out of you or the people around you. There's no advance in the kingdom of God. And due to all those reasons above, you are unable to see reality as it is biblically. So your view of life is distorted because you are living a, a facade. You're living, you're living an earthly facade. So you're living a shadow within a shadow, okay? 
And the last one, the last one is you have no concern for any of this or to change or wanting more. Now, Ephesians 6.10 tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So we are to be strong in the Lord's power and might. Now, let's, let's take that apart and, and see if we can find the fix to the above mentioned problems. So the emphasis on that verse is strength and power. Now, what does that look like? So let's get into the words. So when it says be strong, the word for strong is endunamu, and it means power, might, and strength. Okay, so be powerful, mighty, and strong. Now, in the Lord's power, the word for power is kratos, and it means power and strength. So the Lord's kratos would be his limitless and unbeatable power. So be strong in the Lord's limitless and unbeatable power. Now the Lord's might, the word for might is ishuos, which means strength, strength, force, and ability. Now the Lord's ishuos is an all-encompassing strength and has endless applications. So now when we look at that verse, it can you know ring something like this. Be powerful, mighty, and strong in the Lord's limitless and unbeatable strength and power, which is all-encompassing and has endless applications. That's what we're commanded to, to be. We're going to get into that and see how we do that. How do you get strong in the Lord? By believing in the Word of God and applying it to your life. The first step is believing in the Word of God. You believe the Word of God, you become stronger in it, and then you apply it. Without application, it means nothing. So, Romans 6 says to be dead to sin and alive to God. Okay, that's another step. Now, let's compare the Lord's strength to our strength. Okay, so our earthly strength is fleshly, it's weak, it has many limitations, and the power source is from our old man, or sin-natured man. So that is a weak power source, a faulty power source. There's a hole in the pipe, basically. Now, the heavenly strength, which is the strength we must have, we must never forget that it comes from the Lord. The power source of heavenly strength is from the Lord, and we saw what... We saw the traits of that, limitless, all-encompassing, all-powerful, and the source is of the Lord. So we need to unplug from our source, the old man, and plug into the new source, which is the new man who has Christ living in him. Okay, so we plug into the power source that is Christ, and, and only the new man can do that. So we have to separate from the old man, go over here, and the old man will still chase you down. The old man will still try to live. Some people think it's a one and done type thing where you, you take out the old man and he's done. And, oh no, I already did that. Wrong. He's, he, is, he, is a, he is a zombie. The old man is after us every day. He is a living dead person following after us, trying to take control. Now we see Paul talking about the old man in Ephesians 4. So this is Ephesians 4, 20 through 32. Let's take a look. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another." Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. It's a foothold. But let him that stole still no more, and rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So here we see the, the characteristics of the old man. A couple of them are angry, lying, stealing, clamoring, wrathful. Now we're to put off all those old traits and take and take on the new man, which is tender-hearted, forgiving, loving, patient, kind. And that is that new man is, is modeled after Christ. That's Christ's intention for us, the new man. So the person who we were before Christ serves another master, okay? Our old self is in service to Lord Lucifer and all his dark minions. Lucifer will take his worship in form of serving the flesh or serving him. Either way is fine. Anything except for serving Yahweh. Now, if we let this old man live in us unchecked, it's basically like bringing a enemy counselor into our war room, okay? So you're bringing an enemy who's whispering foul strategies to you while you're trying to make war. And you can't have that. You gotta get him out of there. The old man is corrupted by his deceitful lusts, okay? And we're told to renew our mind, walk in the ways of the new man, walk in righteousness and true holiness. So if you leave the old man alone for too long, if you leave him unchecked, and he and you let him live in you, and you think, oh, he's just living, he's just this much alive in me. I haven't gotten rid of that sin yet. What happens is his cravings for sin grow stronger and stronger and get worse and worse and worse. It's a it's a devouring plague that spreads out. And then by the time you go back to check it, that small serpent egg has grown into a dragon. So you are to put him away. Who you were before Christ, get him out of there. If you feel yourself acting like him again, that doesn't mean you are him. It means you feel in that pull that pull to the dark side. You push that away, you rebuke that, and you, you go act out righteousness. And like I said, this isn't a one and done thing. This has to be done on the daily. Now, when this old man leaves, the new man can take his place. Okay, you can't have both. You can't drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. So once the old man's gone, it leaves a space for the new man. Now the new man, here's what's so great about him. He has the Holy Spirit living inside of him. Okay, so he has the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, living inside of him whereas the old man only has corruption inside of the old man is rotten flesh and disease and inside of the new man oh death death is in the old man okay in the new man is life and life more abundantly now it's only then when we have the holy spirit inside of us that we can wear the armor of god and why is that because that is god's armor the armor of god is god's armor now Here's a side note, something that came to me while I was making this episode. A lot of things in the Bible that are metaphorical also have a literal meaning too. So there's a lot of things that, you know, it looked it looked metaphorical at first, but then actually you find out there's actual literal application. Now, what if the armor of God is like that? What if this is the angel of the Lord's armor that he empowers us to wear? So what I've always thought ever since I was young that the armor of God, there has to be a literal set of armor that we can see that is applied to us in the spiritual realm. I don't know that for sure. And even if it wasn't, the armor metaphor is is enough for me. That's still great enough for me. That's still a blessing. That's still an, uh, an awe-inspiring fact. But I, I have a sneaking suspicion there is some sort of actual substance to the armor of God that we can see when we're in the spiritual realm. I don't know for sure though. But that's an interesting side note. So now, you can only wear the armor of God. You can only wear God's armor if you have God living inside of you. Okay? So let's get into the armor of God. Now, we're doing a bunch of backstory. Keep in mind, the next episode, we're gonna go into the rest of the pieces. It's too much to put all in one episode for one week. So it's gonna be divided up, but it's gonna be good because we got a lot of stuff to cover and I don't wanna overload you. 
Remember, information for information's sake is worthless. Information applied is wisdom. Knowledge applied is wisdom. So spiritual enemies require spiritual armor. And our war is not against flesh and blood, physical, but against spiritual entities. Now, while I'm saying that, just remember, you are not to go out fighting fallen angels. You are not to go out fighting these high-ranking beings. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we interact with them. What we do interact with and rebuke and remove and cast out are demons. We don't sit there and have full-blown conversations and sit there and shoot the breeze with them. No, because you know what? They are super masters of deceitfulness. So they will trip you up. They will, they will twist everything. And, and they're super smart. They're, they're the same beings that were around pre-flood. Okay? So they have the knowledge of heavens given by the watchers. They lived for however long. And they've been on the earth since then. So we have no place conversing with them like we would with a, a, a person we're having problems with. So we need to be experienced knights. And we need to quit hiding from the battle. The first step is knowing that there's a battle. The second step is making sure you are fighting in it. You cannot be hiding from the spiritual warfare battle. If your daughter's being attacked in, in the nighttime by demons, if they're if they're uh, molesting your daughter spiritually, okay, are you gonna just oh that's that's craziness or oh I don't know what it's probably a bad dream? No, dude, you are a horrible father if you do that. You lack understanding if you do that. You need to go and fight for your family spiritually, okay. If there was a physical man doing something vile in your daughter's room, God forbid, you would go in there and you would handle it. So why are we not handling it when it's spiritual? For many other examples, okay? So I pray to God right now that we all realize we're in this war and we all engage in it properly. In Jesus' name, amen. So it is our duty to take a stand. Now, we are to be immovable. We are to stand firm. And we need to put truth into practice. Okay, these are some starting points. To, this is some groundwork for the armor of God. Now, it is basically impossible to wear the armor of God while you're ignoring biblical holiness. So if you're living like a demon, you can't fit into the armor of God. That right is not given to you. Now we need to receive everything that we have, including this armor of God, by faith, and we need to manifest it by obedience. We receive the armor and the blessings of God by faith, and it is empowered, it is manifested, it comes out of us into action through obedience. Now biblically, and I'll mention this again later, biblically, Faith and obedience are inseparable, so keep that in mind. Now, the armor of God is for our spiritual victory, whether defensive or offensive, and it's similar to our Psalms 91 episode we did, where, the, where God's Psalms 91 protection, which I do pray over me and my wife every day, which you should as well, um, that I believe can be prayed on. You're asking for that to be on you, okay? And in that Psalm, there's not prerequisites for it. Well, there are actually, if you dwell in the secret place of the Lord. But in that Psalm, you're protected from the midday demon and the night nighttime demon you're protected from the arrow that flies by day and the pestilence that creeps by night i forget the exact wording but same here okay the spiritual victory is your defensive and offensive through the armor of god now when you put on the armor of god you are, you are filled up and overflowing with with the lord's power might and strength so this is not your power might and strength because your power might and strength would do nothing spiritually okay you are a earthly being your power, might, and strength is bound to this earth and it's weak. So we need the Lord's power, might, and strength, which is limitless and is given to his obedient children, his faithful, obedient children. You are commanded to put on the armor of God. It's not optional. Okay, you are commanded to put on the armor of God and you are to leave it on. You don't, and, and I'm, I, I'm guilty of this all the way up until I started 
researching for this episode. Now, I've been wearing the armor of God, don't get me wrong, but the way I thought I was applying it was false. Okay, I was still wearing it because I was actually fitting the prerequisites to wear it, but here's what I'm gonna say. You don't pray the armor of God on. You don't pray it on. Crazy, huh? Now, I'm gonna get into how we put it on in just a couple seconds. Let me get through a few more facts for you. You can't be living with known sin Okay? You can't have an open door, a demonic open door, but you can't be messing with Ouija boards, tarot cards, and then have spiritual victory, okay? Because you are in the enemy's camp. Now, how do we put on the armor of God? It's not by saying a simple prayer. How do we put it on? And remember, we are commanded to put on all the pieces and not take them off. Now, we're going to look at Ephesians 6 to see how we put it on, but just remember, we are nowhere near as strong without the armor as we are with the armor. Obviously. Just remember that, though. You are in your strength without the armor, you are in the Lord's strength with the armor. David didn't need physical armor. He had God's spiritual armor. So, like I said, you accept it by faith. You manifest it by obedience. Now, you put this armor on by having Christ in you. And you live a life according to what the rest of Ephesians 6 says. So, here we're going to look at Ephesians 6, okay? This is how we appropriate the armor. We step out. We live in it. We live in God's full power and might nonstop. The Holy Spirit fills us, manif manifests within us and through us, okay? So the way we put on the armor of God, we're gonna get right into it. We're gonna look at Ephesians 6, one through 18. Now this is an if-then type of situation. So if you do this, then this will happen. So verses one through nine are if, and verses 10 through 18 are then. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and that thou may, mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he shall receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same thing unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Okay? So, verses 1 through 9. If you do that, and you live that out, then this will happen. Verses 10 through 18. So it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So right here where it says finally, it doesn't mean, oh, and here's the last step. What it means is once you do this, then you can do this. So let's get into it. So finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now right here, when it says having done all, to stand, it doesn't mean after you do all, then you stand. It means having done all, so you can stand. All, do, standing and doing all. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, 
and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So the armor of God starts with righteous living, which then allows to have manifest in you the Lord's power, strength, and might. Only then can you wear the full armor set. Only if you are living in the way that, that the first couple verses of Ephesians 6 say, 1 through 9, if you are living that way, only then can you put on the armor of God. Because if you are not living in the way, okay, if you are not, if you're lying, then you're not living in truth. So how can you put on the belt of truth if you are not living in truth? It won't work. There is no truth if you're lying, okay? If you're not living by faith, how can you hold the shield of faith? Do you see what, I'm, do you see what I mean? I'm trying to ch get us to change our thinking of, of the armor of God. It's not something that you pray and it's attributed to you. It's something that you live out. And then as you're living this way, it says, hey, by the way, this is enabling you to wear the armor of God. This is what the armor of God is. So now when you're living this way, guess what you also have on you right now? You have the armor of God. If you are living righteously, then you have the breastplate of righteousness on. If you are living unrighteously, let's, let's think of it like this. You live unrighteously and in the spirit you start to grow. And this doesn't, I'm not saying this happens. I'm just giving an analogy. Let's say your breastplate fits a human warrior priest of God. So let's say you start living unrighteously and little spikes start to pop up all over your body. Okay. Then you go to put on this breastplate and it won't fit because of the barbs of unrighteousness. So that's kind of what it's like. Not exactly like that, but if you're living unrighteously, you can't put on the breastplate of righteousness. Simple as that. So it's not praying to put it on. I'm stressing this point. It's not praying to put it on. It's living in a way that you already will have it on. Now, not only are we called to defend, but we are called to attack, to take territory, to take territory by winning souls, by freeing the oppressed, by healing the sick, by feeding the poor. Take territory back. The, the, the territory is these human souls and even regions and stuff, but we do our work with humanity. Now, the spoils of war are the souls we win over to Jesus' kingdom. They're also likened to the prisoners of war. So we are taking back our brethren from the enemy camp. That is our plunder. That is, that is our riches that we're taking for the kingdom. Because when we get to heaven, we have all of our brethren there that we pulled from the fire via God's strength and power and might. So now we are going to get into the foundation of the armor. Our first piece of armor is the belt of truth. We see it in Ephesians 6.14. It says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Now when you would gird your loins, you would take your, almost like a, a, a long flowing robe the men would wear. You'd wrap it around your legs, wrap it up through your legs, and tie it around your belt. And then you would be wrapped up so you could fight. Okay? So when I worked as a knight, um, even recently, a couple weekends ago when I worked at the Ren Fair, the thing that held my leg, leg plates up was a belt that they were attached to. So without that, not only would my leg plates not hold up, but then my costume would be flapping everywhere. Okay. Now for the Roman soldier, which was the main elite warrior at the time of Paul writing this, which, which a lot of people think that's what this armor is based off of. And I believe that as well. Now for the Roman soldier, all of his armor was cinched together with his belt as well. That was the base plate for his armor. Now that, that is why it is the foundational piece for us in the spiritual realm. Cause if you don't have truth, Everything else is going to be jacked. Everything else is going to be messed up. You have a faulty foundation. Now, how can you expect to win any spiritual battles if your foundation is faulty? You may win some, but you're greatly weakened. Now, without that belt of truth, your spiritual armor would fall apart and, and fall off in battle, exposing you to the enemy. 
Okay, if you believe lies about something, if you're deceived and you believe lies about something, and you go to fight with that faulty intel, that faulty knowledge, you're exposing yourself to the enemy. That's why it's so important to, to know the, the real so you could spot the counterfeit. Know your words so you could spot what's not in the word. Now, what is truth? Pontius Pilate asked it. It's a valid question. What is truth? Jesus is truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So if you know what truth is, you can start to put this together more. Now, Jesus is truth. So is his word. The word of God is Jesus. It's all tied together. Now, John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, John 8.32 talks about the truth setting us free from a life of bondage to sin. So before we give our lives to God, before we live for him, we serve sin as a master. We, we will serve a master no matter what we do, okay? We served death and sin. Those were our taskmasters. Then Jesus said, I'm freeing you. I'm ransoming you from these cruel taskmasters. Now you can serve me, okay? Now we serve him, truth. And like I said, the Holy Spirit of God is known as the spirit of truth that guides us into all understanding. Now that is the same spirit that lives in us, that empowers us, enables us to understand truth, is the law on our hearts. Now even when we worship, we're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth. That's John 4, 24. We know we can trust the word, it proves itself true. And in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, we're told that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and, and all instructions on righteousness. So it is only by reading, knowing, and practicing this truth, the word of God, that we could be the best we could be for the kingdom and we have a solid foundation for all our other armor pieces and for our spiritual walk. Now, a side note, the belt, my belt, my night belt at work, it has a sword ring on it. Some had a sheath, okay? So a lot of warriors will have a sheath on their belt. The belt of truth is the foundation for the sword of the spirit. So they go hand in hand. So the word of God is sheathed in the belt of truth, the, the sheath on the belt of truth. So that's very interesting how it's set up like that. So that, that basically says without truth, you cannot wield the sword of the spirit. That's what I'm trying to say. Without truth, you cannot wield the sword of the spirit. You have to know your word. You have to put it into practice. And only then can you equip this belt. So the lies of the enemy are designed to take us off the path of righteousness. All of pop culture, movies, video games, shows, songs, everything, the majority of everything is meant to lead us astray and to corrupt us basically and to tell us lies. Hey, you need this. Hey, uh, you, you need this new product. You'd be so much happier if you had this. Hey, isn't this woman more beautiful than your wife? Oh, this woman would give you way less trouble. And I don't think that stuff. I'm just using that as an example, just to be clear. Or like, hey, maybe you should go uh, go tell that guy off. You know, every everything is, is set up in a way that feeds the flesh and sin. So we're surrounded by lies. And the reason why is because 1 John 5.19 says that Satan is the ruler of this world. He seeks to replace the truth of God with his ugly counterfeits to pull us away from God. So since we are the children of light, it is time we put that into practice. Okay, we step out of the darkness. The light exposes everything that's in the darkness and all of our deeds that we do in dark will be exposed in the light. So you better clean house before a house gets cleaned for you and not in a good way before you get exposed. That can be found in Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. Now, this, these are the days where people are calling good bad and bad good. They're calling right wrong and wrong right. You know, drag queen story hour, all, all this kind of stuff. You know, the murdering of unborn children. All this stuff they're calling right. Now we're in those days. So you need to know what is right. This is the foundation piece. 
You need to know what is true. So that is the belt of truth. So now we are going to get into a little bit about the Nephilim Mounds Conference. So the Nephilim Mounds Conference, I believe this is the third one, maybe I forget how many they've had, but it is right by an actual Nephilim Mound in Newark, Ohio. So these mounds are possibly pre-flood, okay? Inside of them are the bones of like 10-footers, all these different humongous human skeletons, which we know aren't humans, the bones of the Nephilim, but everyone attributed these to the Native Americans. Now, they, by their own accounts, did not build these things. They were there before them, okay? So this conference, so on the last day of the conference, we're gonna be on that mound. Now, Russ Dizdar is gonna be there, L.A. Marzulli is gonna be there, Chief Joseph Riverwind, and me. Okay, so, you know Russ Dizdar, Shadow of the Darkness? Uh, We're using one of his books for this episode. He helped me through his podcast to get rid of all kinds of demonic things that were happening to me, okay? L.A. Marzulli's research into the Nephilim skulls and all that stuff, that's spiritual warfare, because he's touching the actual skulls of these demons, okay? You know they're coming after him, so really keep him in prayer. And then Chief Joseph Riverwind, he talks about how the Native Americans, their stories mirrored our stories and how some of their letterings and their alphabets mirrored ancient Hebrew. And you know the kind of stuff I talk about. So this conference is going to be awesome. Tickets are $89. It is March 27th through the 29th of this upcoming year, which isn't that far away. It's about five months. And there's there'll be no live streaming, but there will be DVDs you could purchase eventually. Okay? So it's going to be great. I'm excited. I'm so excited to be doing a conference with people whose books I've had for years and researched. And now God has... I could see that he planted that seed in me when I was younger and it grew till now. Okay, so it's it's just a blessing. That's a praise report for God and that's nothing about me. That's just a, a complete great work of God that he's, he's done this. So if you can go show up, one of the best things to invest in is your own knowledge. Okay, so if you want to spend your money on cars or food, I spend a lot of my money on food, but it's, it, it's wise to invest back into yourself so you can grow and you can lead your family better, you can be a better believer, and you could use it for the kingdom. Okay, now this is direct stuff that you could use for the kingdom. So that's the conference. Let's get back to our armor. Our next piece is the Breastplate of Righteousness. This is found in Ephesians 6.14. And actually, we need to put on the Sunglasses of Spiritual Victory, hidden piece, to get into this next one. Okay, so the Breastplate of Righteousness. The Greek word used for breastplate is thorax. And the Greek word used for righteousness is daikosune, daikosune. It, it means righteousness or justice, okay? The purpose of a breastplate is to protect your vital organs. What's in your chest? Your heart. So the purpose, the purpose of the spiritual breastplate is to protect your spiritual heart. So who you are on the inside, how you act, the people liken the heart to that. Now, it also protects your body, which is the temple of, and home of the Holy Spirit. So the thing about the breastplate is it is not our righteousness. Okay, you have to live righteously for the armor to work, but that is not what you're relying on for this piece. You're relying on the Lord's righteousness. So this is what it's like. You go to our father. He says, son, daughter, here's your breastplate of righteousness. I have infused it. It is made 100% out of my righteousness. Okay, I'm giving it to you to wear because your righteousness is like a filthy rag and it won't protect you. Okay, It'll, you'll get cut right through with that. So I'm giving you my righteousness. And he's saying, but while I give you this, you need to put it on, but you need to take care of this and you need to, ma- you need to maintain it and repair it and clean it every day. 
And how do you clean it? By living righteously, by removing unrighteousness from around the breastplate. So our tiny meager righteousness works to scrub itself off of God's righteous breastplate. And and then we wear that and we go to war. So God's righteousness makes the breastplate effective and our righteous living is the polishing of grime off of the surface, the removing of sin. Now, like all the pieces of the armor of God, it is up to the wearer to put it on. You know, you have to do these things to, to wear it. You have to walk out these, these practices. You have to live this way to do it. Nobody's going to do it for you. You're not going to inherit the armor of God. Now, when you choose to live unrighteously and not take advantage of this breastplate of righteousness you have, you are kicking the door wide open for demonic attacks right to your most exposed area, the, your most vital of areas. Now, when you, you're looking through your camp to see who kicked open that door, a lot of times you'll find it's you. You're the traitor that kicked open the door. Okay, that's your old man. Your old self went and kicked open that door. Now, we know the old man is at war with God. So, we're going to look at Romans 6.13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of, of righteousness unto God. Okay, so we can't live like the old man. We have to let him stay dead. We have to keep killing him over and over and over and live and use our body, our members as righteous instruments of God. And we are to live by the standards the Bible says, not the world standards of righteousness. That's like someone saying, you ask someone, hey, do you think you're going to heaven? And they say, oh, I think so. I was a good person. That's not the requirements to get into heaven. Being a good person is not the requirements to get into heaven. So many people think that that's the requirements. It's not. It's accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior and repenting of your sin. It's not about you being a good person. Uh, the whole goal of transhumanism, getting the promises of God without the relationship with God. Same thing with that. Being a good person, that's you trying to earn your way in. And you specifically cannot earn your way in because God made it to where you know that it's him. So people can be led to the source that lets them in. He is the door. He is the way. So that's the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, living unrighteously leaves you open to demonic oppression and gives the enemy a foothold, which is basically if you have a castle wall, you pull out one of the stones and you could fit your foot in there, that's a foothold. That's a way to climb up into your fortress and wreak havoc, okay? So, in conclusion, that's all for this week's episode. Uh, we're going to get into more pieces. We're going to get into the rest of the pieces next week, Lord willing. And for our paid content today, for the Daily Renegade paid content members, I'm going to give you a preview of the hidden seventh piece of armor. I'm going to go over it with you early to give you a jump on it, to let you go research it. Now, in my book, The Warrior Priest Mindset, I actually talk about an upgrade to the armor found elsewhere in the New Testament. Now, why does this matter? This should be obvious, but it may not be. Christians should be the most spiritually powerful humans in existence. If our power source is from God and we are able to tap into that, we should be the most powerful. We should be the most loving. We should be all these things. But many of us aren't living in that power, in that love, in that peace. We need to learn about these things. We need to live righteously. We need to memorize scriptures. We need to start knowing our identity in Christ. You need to be sure of your salvation. As humans, we are weak. When we are empowered by the Holy Spirit that lives within us, we are unstoppable. So we need to stop living in the physical and start living in the spiritual. Okay? The majority of your being, your existence, is tied into that realm. That's our origin. That's our home. So don't get caught up in the battles of this flesh world. 
and don't ignore the thing that's running this flesh world, the enemy of our souls, the enemy of humanity, Satan and his forces, the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, you know, the fallen angels influencing leaders around the world. So we need to step up to the plate, start expelling the darkness from us and those around us, start to bring light, being a light and bringing light, letting the Holy Spirit shine through you into everyone, everywhere you go and everyone you come into contact with. So don't forget your mission. Spread the gospel, heal the sick, feed the poor, deliver the oppressed from demons, and love the Lord God with all your heart and love the neighbor as yourself. Now, boom. I love you guys. It's been great. It's awesome to be doing this. Uh, let me know in the comments if this, if this was a timely message for you because I guarantee it was timely for, for a lot of you because God is in this. It's not me that ha has to rest on making these videos good. It's God. So when I yield to him, to him, the message will be timely because he is in it. So that takes the power off of my physicality and puts it onto him. So thank you guys. And now let's get into our paid content. See you guys next week. Stay rad.